0: Sorenson. I want to take this opportunity to talk to you about small groups. I've been involved in small groups over the years, and it's just a great way to connect with people in the church, to get to know people one-on-one, to be able to invest in people and have people invest in your life, and to share God's Word together, to share concerns and pray for each other, and I've just enjoyed it so much. It's a way I've built friends and built relationships in church, and I hope you'll join me this fall in small groups. All right, everyone. Uh, as you just saw right there, we're getting ready to start small groups this fall. Um, in case you don't know, here, here's the thing that's going on for us. We're going to be having on and off-campus groups. So the off-campus groups will be meeting at homes. The on-campus groups, you guessed it, will be meeting on campus, which means here on this campus in rooms, there'll be child care provided. And, and this is super important for us as a church because we believe it's super important to Jesus and his word. What He's t- said is the church is not supposed to be a building or a group that just gathers. It's not a meeting time. It's a group of people who are in deep relationship with one another because of the work of Jesus. And we want us to be deeply connected. And the way we're going to be trying that is through small groups. So the signups, you'll see those tables are out in the foyer and, and all the entrances. Please stop by, check those out, see what we've got available um, and sign up for some of those. You can check them out. That one group was for uh, Jim and Michelle. So and We'd love for y'all to check it out. The other thing that's going on is uh, starting this Wednesday, we're trying a thing called a mission think tank. I mentioned that last week. Do y'all remember that or was that a Okay, two of you remember it. I did a great job mentioning it. I'm really happy about that. Um, Here's what we're doing. Uh, We're gonna be gathering Wednesday night. I'm gonna give you an introduction to what this is. This is me basically trying to to equip those of us who wanna try to figure out how to engage people with the gospel around us in our neighborhoods, where we live, where we work, where we learn, and where we play. And so uh, if you wanna check it out, my introduction is this Wednesday night. Come and check it out. It'll be here at 615. And then you can decide from there if you wanna do the rest of that little fun mission experiment with me, okay? Um, now, before I jump into the sermon, uh, you can't start a sermon on prayer without praying, right? Like, that would be stupid. So I don't want to be stupid. I want to pray because here's what I know. If we're going to hear what God would say to us, we need help. And if I'm going to teach the way I'm supposed to teach, I definitely need help. So would you pray with me? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, Heavenly um, God, we have no problem saying that we need you. God, we don't just need you, we, we really, really want you. God, we, we wanna encounter you through your word today. We, we wanna encounter your love and your grace and your mercy through what we hear. God, we wanna encounter your love and grace and mercy to the people around us. God, we really just wanna encounter you. We wanna hear your good news and we wanna know you better and worship you more. So God, I'm asking, would, would you use this time Would you give us really tender hearts for what you, what you alone would say to us through your word today? God, I'm praying we would have soft hearts and we would hear what your spirit would say. And God, I'm asking for me. God, would you help me to teach? I don't want to teach on my own power or experience. I want to teach on you and you alone. So God, I want to do this into complete dependence on you. So I'm praying that you would empower me to faithfully and accurately teach the word. God, I'm praying that you would use my weak words to do powerful things through your word and spirit in the hearts and lives of the men and women here. God, I pray you'd bless this time. And I pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've been in a series on prayer for the last couple months, and, and here's why we started this series on prayer. We're actually getting close to the end of it. We started this series because he, here's what was going on. I, when we start talking about what we want to see God do, and when I start thinking about what I want to see God do in, in this church, actually, let me be more specific, in your hearts. When I think about what I want to see God do in your life and in your heart, what I, what I want to see him do in our relationships with one another, well we want to see him do in this city where we reach people and serve people where people encounter the goodness and grace of the good news of Jesus when i think about that man i it seems beyond me and, and, When I think about how vibrant the church is, when I read the New Testament, like when you read it and you see that it is just exploding, like it is people are getting saved. Needs are being met like they're in deep relationship. It's it's an explosive and dynamic and powerful thing. It's alive. Like it is just it's shocking and awesome. And then when I think about what I experience at churches sometimes. Uh -uh. My experience of church seems completely foreign to what I read in the New Testament. Instead of a place where people's hearts are on fire, where relationships are deep and awesome, too often church feels like a cold, sterile morgue. It feels like a place of death, not a place of life. And that cannot be. That, that is a cheap imitation of what the real thing is supposed to be. So when I think about that, when I'm wrestling with that as a pastor and, and saying, God, we want to see you work the way you intend to work, one of the things that seems clear to me that's missing a lot of times is, is prayer. I don't think any church person would disagree with that. I think all of us would say we know that prayer is an essential and vibrant part of the Christian life. So here's what we've been doing. We've been in Matthew chapter 6. We've been looking at prayer. I want to review where we've been because it's important for today. Uh, So if you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, we're right smack in the middle of a a sermon that Jesus preached called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And in Matthew chapter 6, he, he's talking about uh, the motivations that people have as they're trying to do the, the right types of things. So He says this in 6.1. He says this, uh, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Like, be careful about doing things in front of other people in this key phrase in order to be seen by them. In other words, don't do good things with the motivation of having other people see you. says this, for then you will have no reward from your father in heaven. He says, listen, don't don't do good things in front of other people. Because if you do it with that motivation, if the reward or the treasure that you seek is other people thinking good things about you. If it's the prestige you get, that they respect you more because they saw the good that you did. If that's your motivation, you're going to miss it all. You cannot be motivated by what other people think about you. You, you can't be motivated on making yourself feel better about yourself. You don't do good things so that you feel better about yourself. That's, that's not the reason you do good things. He keeps going on. He says it just like in verse 2. He says, don't give like the hypocrites. They, they want everyone to see them give. So they're sitting there walking, dropping off their offering in the, the giving box or whatever they had back then. And they're saying, I just got to give my offering here. I don't know if you guys noticed. I'm going to give my offering. And you know this. It's a big one this week. I do it all the time. I'm always tithing. Like, and They want to make sure everyone knows and hears and sees that they're generous. It's, it's that motivation to be seen. It's, it's whatever that is in, our, in a person's heart that the craving you have is that other people would think really, really awesome things about you. He, he says, don't pray like the hypocrites in verse five. They pray. They love praying in front of people. They love it. They want to get up in front of other people and they want them to hear them pray this phenomenal prayer. They want to hear them use words that are big and theological. Like They want to be like, man, that's, that dude knows his stuff. Did you hear him pray? Like it was, I did not even understand half of it. He, that guy's so smart and so religious and he prays out loud in front of people and he's not even embarrassed to do it. Right. It's it's that motivation that he keeps hitting on over and over and over again. He says, don't do it for this reason. Don't don't pray trying to get people. Don't pray for the reward of other people thinking highly of you. He puts it on its end at the end of the chapter when he says, don't seek that treasure. Seek this. Seek first the kingdom of God. The first thing you're pursuing in all of these things and all the good that you would do and and all the giving and all the righteousness and all the praying. And we talk about praying. The thing that we are seeking is the kingdom of God. We're seeking God and knowing him and, and longing to be with him, not impressing the people around us. So here's why that matters today. We've been looking at the Lord's prayer and right after the Lord's prayer, he throws this in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, okay? And with that, with that in mind, with that, the idea in mind that our hearts are twisted and that it's very easy for us to get to try to do good things and have that temptation happening where I wonder what so-and-so thought. I wonder if pastors saw me. I wonder if I'll get to be an illustration on a sermon on Sunday morning. I don't know if that hits in your heads. I hope it doesn't. But that, that thing that's happening, that, that moment where you want to be seen by other people. He, he adds another doozy here. Look at verse 16. He says this, And when you fast... That's a, that's a big one right there. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. Don't like, oh, why are you so sad for us? Fasting. I just, fasting. <laughs> like it's not, don't, don't look gloomy. Don't look sad. They, for they disfigure their faces with their fasting that they may be seen by others. But I, don't, I don't know how they're disfiguring their faces. They're just, they're just basically making sure they've got this look of like, dude, it's rough a Zoolander where his lips are, uh, you don't know what that is. Never mind. Okay. It's, it's that duck lip that you see people doing on Facebook or, their, or Instagram, whatever they're doing right now. They're disfiguring their faces to do whatever it is that they're doing, but it's a look I, I need you to know and see. I need to be obvious to everyone that I'm fasting. You drag yourself into the office and you're just like, oh, I'm so tired. And I'm hungry, man. What you want breakfast? I can't. I can't eat breakfast. I love God too much. I'm fasting. Just you wouldn't understand. You're a pagan that works in my workplace. Like it's that. It's that approach right there. It's it's making sure it's clear and obvious in front of everyone that look at me, man. I'm fasting and fasting, dude. Fasting is like the granddaddy of them all, right? Like fasting. That dude is so serious about God, he skips meals. We live in the South. We don't skip meals, man, unless it's like blood work from my doctor or intermittent fasting. So I have abs, which will never work for us, right? We, we don't fast unless it's a diet or a doctor's order right? That's, that's not what we do. And Jesus sitting here saying, listen, when you, when you fast, and I, I, know what, I know what y'all are thinking right now. You're thinking, Pastor, you don't have to worry about us fasting to be seen by other people. We're Baptists. We don't fast. We potluck. I, I get that. That's, I, I understand, just stick with me here because this is part of prayer. Like he's, he's sitting here saying, well, you do this to be seen by others and you've got your reward. Verse 17, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, don't brag about it. The goal is not to be seen by other people. The, the goal is the kingdom of God. Now listen, I, we start talking about fasting and I got to be honest, I know I talked about the fact that it's kind of foreign to us, but it really is weird for us, right? Like when we start talking about fasting and I can't do a sermon series on prayer and skip over fasting as much as I would like to. It's the very next part of Matthew chapter six. I'm not going to skip it. Um, when we talk about fasting, I have a lot of questions. Do you have questions about fasting? I got, I got a lot of questions Loads and loads of questions that I cannot answer in one sermon. It, it is not normal church life. Can I say that? I mean, maybe it is for you, but I would bet that most of us in this room have rarely, if ever, fasted as, a, as an act of prayer or interacting with God. I'm not saying that because I'm looking at you. I'm saying that because I've experience in church. Fasting is this, this thing that I don't think we get. When we talk about fasting, it feels very um, Catholic y. Can I say that? That's a word I just made up. Catholic is not a, a real word, but Catholic, it, it feels very traditional. Like it's almost like, no, you're just supposed to fast because that's what you do at Lent. You give up Facebook for those 90 days or whatever it is. And you get to enjoy Facebook again at Easter. Like it feels very high church, traditional. It it doesn't feel like it belongs in the Baptist church. And some of the questions I have is, well, how does this work exactly? Like, does God listen to my prayers more if I'm fasting? Like, is that like this secret? Like if I really want that new job or I want that raise, I want that promotion, like I can pray about it, but listen, if I skip breakfast today and I pray about it, then God's like, ooh, wait a second. That's a really good prayer. He's not even eaten. That dude, he really wants that promotion. Maybe I'll give it to him. Maybe fasting is like the prayer power up. It's, it's, it's this thing that steps prayer up to another level. Where we're saying, oh man, that's prayer on hyperdrive. He skipped two meals or a day's worth of meals. This is, is that what it is? is Is fasting the thing that takes your prayer up to the next level if you 're not seeing God work, maybe the problem is you have you 've been eating too much with your prayer, you need to eat less is, is that how it works is Is that the way God works with us like that that doesn't feel like grace to me. like we talk about everything is paid by the blood of Jesus, that He listens to me because i 'm his son because of the work of Jesus, not because of my performance, and then all of a sudden fasting. How does that work? I, I have more questions, uh, but I'm not going to let you into the full chaos of my mind. Uh, I'm not going to cover all the answers for fasting, but I, I do think there's some things on fasting that we need to understand because if we're not careful, we will get derailed on what this looks like in prayer. So, so let me flip over to Matthew chapter 9. I believe Matthew chapter 9 is one of the most important passages on pasti- fasting. Fasting Passages on fasting. That one is a tough one to say, 10 times fast. It's the most important verses on fasting um, that I think happens in the New Testament. Let me give you this this, uh, background real quick. Jesus has just showed up into a town. He walked into a town. There's a tax collector named Matthew. And he goes, hey, Matthew, come and follow me. And Matthew literally does it. He leaves everything And he follows Jesus. And the very first thing that Matthew does, he throws a party and he invites all of his unsaved friends to come and meet Jesus at this party. So here's Jesus at a party and everyone at the party, they are all like, tax collectors, that they're all in this group of what the religious would call dirty, rotten sinners. They're all like a little dirty. They're not clean. They, they don't go to church enough. They definitely don't fast. These are not fasting people. Okay. And here's Jesus, this awesome religious leader, like he's famous everywhere he goes. There's crowds and he is hanging out with some of the worst people in town at a party. Like it's uncomfortable. It's definitely not Baptist, okay? And he's there and he's doing this and, and people are looking at it and all the religious get really upset and they're like, this is this is offsides, man. You're, you're supposed to be a religious teacher who's close to God and you're hanging out with the worst people in town. This is unacceptable. It's inappropriate. And uh, Jesus tells them, that's why I came. The whole reason that I came was for these people. And then some disciples of John the Baptist are like, they're confused. And they ask this question. Look at Matthew 9, verse 14. Then right after this happens, after he does this, the disciples of John came to him saying, okay, I I get what you're saying. This is why you came. You came to reach those who are far from God. We we get that, but we have this question. Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Here's the thing that they're struggling with. These guys that were disciples of John the Baptist, they left everything and they followed John the Baptist. This crazy lunatic that ate honey and locusts and wore camel hair was out in the desert saying, listen, you need to repent. You need to get baptized. Like he's, he's preaching and they are serious about God. And, and all the religious who are serious about God, all of them, fast. That, that's the way you obey God. It's, it's serious and it's somber. And it, you, you, there's this thing where you're saying, I need to fast. And so John would teach his disciples to fast. And all the Pharisees, they would fast. They may do it for wrong reasons, but they would fast. And that's how all of them have learned religion. That's how almost all religions in the world work. Listen, all religions fast. Buddhists fast and Hindus fast and Muslims fast. They, they all fast. And then here's Jesus showing up on the scene and here's how they've learned to follow God. You, you do really good things and you give your money and you pray and you go to synagogue and you memorize the Torah and you fast. And then Jesus shows up and he's not fasting. He's doing the exact opposite of fasting. He's, he's partying. He's He's not hanging out with the churchy, clean people. He's hanging out the people that your parents told you not to hang out with. That they're corrupt in business, they're unpatriotic, and they're traitors who have abandoned their country to make money by doing taxes for the Romans. And he's going to dinner with them all the time. It doesn't make sense. Like Jesus, we're confused. Like John told us, you were the one, and. He baptized you and you're, he told us to fast and everything we know about following God, it's getting flipped upside down by how you're living your life. Why don't you fast? That's a basic of following God. Why doesn't Jesus fast? Why, don't he, why doesn't he teach his disciples to fast? And Jesus gives this answer. And this is where we begin to learn what fasting is. Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? In other words, he's saying, listen, his answer is listen, when you go to a wedding, that's not a time for fasting. Like a husband and wife are about to get married, a bride and a groom, and they're not saying, you know what? This is such a happy day. Let's fast. Right? Like that'd be a really weird wedding for you. If you went to a wedding and you're you're ready to go to the reception and whatever they've got offered, whether that's peanuts or cake or whatever, there's no wedding cake, there's no punch. The pastor does the ceremony, everyone leaves, and like, listen, we are so happy about this day. And we want to celebrate by not eating for the rest of the day. So we're all gonna go sit in a room and fast while we celebrate this bride and groom. That's not what you do at a wedding, right? No, we're at a wedding, it's a party. You're eating and you're celebrating and you're dancing and you're with family, it's fun, it's awesome. Like this is awesome, this couple's gotten married, they're a new family, they're starting life together. This is a time to celebrate. This is not the time to fast. Uh, let me tell you, when my wife and I got married, one of, the, my, one of the things that was awesome about the honeymoon was we went to this place and all the food was included all of it. Like you go to a restaurant and you want an appetizer. Yes, I do. Paid for the tip. I mean, all of it. It was all, you want a main course. Yes. Do you want dessert? Yes. It's all paid for room service paid for. It was phenomenal. Let me tell you what would have been a weird thing to do on my honeymoon. Fast. If I would have been like, Hey babe, I'm so happy to be married to you. Can we like just not eat for like three days because I'm just so happy. I, I need to fast. Does that feel backwards to you? No, it's a time of celebration. You're together, you're happy. You're eating all these meals and you're celebrating life together. You've started life together. And he's saying, listen, I'm here. I am here. Now is not the time for you to be fasting. Now is the time to party. Now is a celebration. I've showed up and I'm changing everything. Everything. I'm changing all of it the distance, the gap between everyone and God. I'm fixing it. I'm here to draw you in. This is not a time for you to be sad and to fast because I am present. And when I'm present, you don't fast. Does that mean we don't ever fast? I mean, is Jesus saying in that moment, no, we don't fast at all? Like he's saying, nope, there's no fasting. Don't do it because now you have Jesus and you have the gospel and you have the word and you have the Holy Spirit. Is his lesson, you know what, you don't fast because everything is good now. No, not quite because he goes on to say this. He says, I'm here now. You don't mourn while I'm here. And he says this in verse uh, 15. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Like, listen, you don't fast now because I'm with you, but I'm not always going to be here. I'm going to go, and when I go, they will fast. There will be this fast where they're saying, listen, we're longing for him and we miss him and we want him. Like The time to fast is not when Jesus is right there with you. It's when you realize, man, he's not here yet. And we're longing for him and we want more of him. Fasting is this emphasis of longing for Jesus. That's what he's saying there. Fasting is not earning his favor. Fasting is longing for his presence. It's not earning, it's not proving to him that you're worth it. It's this fasting of longing for his presence. Do you, do you know that type of longing that I'm talking about? Uh, I think I've used this as an illustration before, um, but whenever I was dating Kim, I mean, Kim, I'm using your for illustrations. It's, it's Jesus' fault. He talked about weddings in here. Um, so when I was dating Kim, there was this thing that started, started happening where it was like the first couple dates were awkward, right? They were awesome, but they were awkward, like it was like, I don't know you, you don't know me, this is weird. There were trips that were happening as you were walking to meet them and you trip on, in front of them at the restaurant, really awkward, really embarrassing. You're trying not to say stupid things, but you keep saying stupid stuff. And after every date, you're like, she's not going out with me again, she's not going out with me again. And then you call and she says, yes, you're like sweet, she's going out with me again. Uh, but then that quickly changed to something else where it wasn't the awkwardness, it was the awesomeness of dating, where you were just like, I gotta, I gotta be around her. Like, when's the next time I'm seeing you? And she was, she was only like an hour and a half away. So it wasn't too far, but I'll never forget. Like the things I would do just to see her for like 15 minutes. Like I remember I was a youth pastor at the time. uh, So I finished youth group on a Wednesday night. I hadn't seen her in like, I don't know, like a day. It was the worst. It's like a full 24 hours. I hadn't seen her since the evening before we went out to dinner and I finished work. It's 9.30 at night and I'm like, dude, I'm going, I'm driving an hour and a half to see Kim right now. It was stupid, it was dumb. I got to see her for like 15 minutes. 15 minutes, I don't even know, that was kind of cold, by the way. You could have at least talked to her for like 30, but she had like school the next day, so I came, I saw her, went on a walk, and then I got in my car and I left. I drove three hours round trip just to see that woman for 15 minutes. Do you know why? Because there was this longing in me, this thing, like I love being around her. A phone call wasn't going to work. A text was not going to work. FaceTime and Skype was not going to work. I needed to see her face to face. I needed to be around her. I just, I just wanted to hear her voice live and in person, not over a phone. And stupid lovesick Fias is like, I'm driving an hour and a half for 10 minutes. 10 lousy, stinking minutes. I just want to hold her hand for 10 minutes. I'm great. Um, when he talks about the fasting of longing, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about this thing that's going on in your heart where you're saying, Listen, I've met him and I know him and I love him and I want more. I mean, I want more of him. And fasting is an expression of longing for Jesus. It's not this legalistic thing that we do, where we earn his favor. It's this expression of longing. It's, it's. Uh, one guy said this. I want to give this quote. He said, "The aching and yearning and longing for Christ and His power that drives us to fasting, are not expressions of emptiness. Need, yes. Pain, yes. Hunger for God, yes. But not emptiness. Here's the point. We're not empty. We're hungry." And that's why we fast. That's the purpose of fasting. There's this longing going in your heart, this hunger for God that that cannot be satisfied apart from him. And fasting is an expression of that. There's one other illustration I want to give you. It's in the Old Testament. Moses is writing in Deuteronomy chapter eight. And in Deuteronomy, Israel's about to go into the promised land and Moses is preaching some sermons to them to say, hey, I want to remind you what happened so that you stay and you follow God and you get into the promised land. Didn't work out. They, they forsook God, but that's a whole other sermon series. And here's what he said. He's talking about how they were in the wilderness and God was giving them manna. And look at how Moses describes what God was doing by letting manna rain down every day for the Israelites. This is connected to fasting. Stick with me here. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two says this, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you. Okay, so he's humbling them. He's not letting them get arrogant and cocky. There's this humility that's happening with Israel in a wilderness for 40 years. He's testing you. He's trying them to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse three, and he humbled you and he let you hunger. And look at what he did. And he fed you with manna. He let you get hungry. There was no source for food. And then he had whatever it was, rained down every night so in the morning they woke up and they find it, fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know. Why? Why did he do all this? Look at this phrase. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Listen, Moses looks at this whole situation. He says, here's what God is doing. God was testing you and he was humbling you And by humbling, he means this. He wanted to make it really clear to you that the thing you need most, the thing that you need most for your sustenance and for for life and for happiness, the thing you need most is not food. It's not water. The thing you need most is God himself. What God was trying to teach the Israelites in the wilderness is more than food, you need me. That's what you need. You, you need to know it. I need to wake you up to your need for me because you just go about your days and you think I don't need God. I'm independent of him. What I need right now is a Big Mac and French fries. What I need right now is coffee. What I need right now is a relationship. What I need right now is whatever the whole list goes on. I need a new car. I need a better house. I need this. I need, I need, I need. As if the thing that we need, the things that'll make us happy, the thing that will sustain us is anything apart from God. And he went after the most essentials of life, eating and drinking and said, you need me more than food itself. Listen, fasting isn't just for longing. Fasting is a reminder of my need for him. It's not just longing for him. It's I need him. I need his help and I need it more than food. Listen, this is super important as we wrestle with this. When we start talking about this, if we're not careful, we will take fasting and we will do it in a very backwards way. We won't do it for longing and for need. We'll do it to earn his favor. We'll make fasting this old legalistic way, this way of performing before God, instead of saying this is the new way that's filled with the good news and filled with the spirit and filled with love and filled with faith. Listen, fasting is this expression of longing and of need. So I want to flesh out what this would look like because I actually am going to call you to consider fasting sometime. Let me give you an example of what that looks like in real life when it comes to this. So, so let me make it practical. So fasting, like this. so say that one day you decide, I, I want to fast and I'm going to fast and I'm going to skip lunch uh, one day during the week. I'm not going to tell my whole office because they're all whatever, how we want to work that. Or maybe you're sk- skipping time on Facebook, whatever your addiction thing is. You're going to give it up for a day. You're going to give it up and you're going to spend that lunch break or you're going to spend that Facebook time and you say, listen, what I need what I need right now, what I want right now is I want time with you. So instead of eating my lunch break, I'm gonna go feast on Jesus and his good news in the word. Instead of spending this time in the evening after the kids go to bed scrolling for Facebook, I'm gonna hit pause on that. I'm gonna pick up my Bible and say, listen, I'm fasting from Facebook because I, what I need, what I want more than all that stuff is I want connection with you. And so I'm gonna feast on Jesus in those moments. That's one way that fasting might look, or it might look this way. You you skip the meal and you're trying to do that, but what happens is it's not just that you're feasting on the word. Every time your stomach grumbles, every time you feel that little rumble, or every time you feel that urge to pick up the phone and scroll, you say, Jesus, help me to want you like this. See how it turns into like a prayer? God, every time my stomach grumbles, I want to remember that I need you more than I need food. And my body is screaming for food right now, but my spirit needs you more. I want to want you like that. Help me to long for you and desire for you the way my stomach desires barbecue, right? Every time I want to get those internet connections on the Instagram, the, the Instagram, I said the Instagram like an old man. Okay, on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is you're scrolling through, every time you're doing that, Listen, you want to stop. You know, Jesus, I want, I want to long for you more. I want my instinct not to be to pick up my phone and scroll, but to go to you and get more of you and enjoy you and connect with you and celebrate what you've done, not what everyone else has done. That's what fasting looks like. It's this expression of need. It's a reminder that you want that hunger. It's, it's longing. Church, it's not religious duty. It's not. It's worship. And I, I wonder, we, we run through prayer and we make these things where we're saying, okay, we should pray more. I feel guilty, <laughs> right? We, we, we should show, we should have prayer meetings. I feel guilty, like, um, yeah. And then we try prayer and it feels forced and rough and you're praying through your list and underneath it all, underneath prayer, underneath fasting, there's this heartbeat of need, and longing to walk with Jesus. Listen, don't, don't view fasting as religious duty. View it as worship and hunger and passion. Re- remember how much you wanted to be with your spouse when you were engaged and pray for God to do that in your heart right now. Listen, for, for some of you here today, I want you to hear this. We, We've got this problem. Many of us, we've grown up in church and you've heard about religion being all these duties that you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to be good.'m supposed to obey. I'm supposed to be nice to people. right? We've heard all these things. We even tell you how you're supposed to vote sometimes. And what we miss, we turn following Jesus into all this list of things that we're supposed to do. But the good news of Jesus flips all of that upside down and changes it. The good news of Jesus says, I don't need you to do anything. I did everything. I don't need you to perform. I need you to trust me. And what it's supposed to be is this burning in your heart. And my concern for many of you is that when I talk about fasting as a longing for Jesus, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You know church, you know good, you know performance, but longing, a heart on fire, that needs more and more of Jesus. You would you read your Bible to be a good church kid, but reading your Bible because you're starving for Jesus is foreign to you. I want you to know. This one, this one that's full of duty and obligation and performance that does not have a heart that's on fire, that is not the heart of a follower of Jesus. That's the heart of a religious person who will miss Jesus completely. What the gospel says is that Jesus died for this. He died to free you from this. He died to clean you from this. He died to make you a son or a daughter and give you a heart that burns and longs. And the only way you get a heart that burns and longs and yearns for Jesus is not trying harder and fasting more. The way you get a heart that burns and longs for Jesus is placing your trust in His work on the cross. And here's what I need I need you to clean me, and I want you to give me a brand new heart. That's the difference. Listen, for some of you here today, my concern is you grew up religious and you miss Jesus because we sold you the wrong bill of goods. Don't leave here today with more religion. Leave here with longing for Jesus by asking him to change your heart. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to walk us through a time of response. Not going to make it complicated. <laughs> this is just a time where you kind of ask God, to help you with whatever it is he did in your heart. And here's my question, are you hungry for him? Do you long for him? If that's what's happening in your heart, if you're feeling that that yearn and that ache to know him more, would you just tell him and ask him to help you? For some of you here, that last part we talked about, you grew up in church and you know religion, but burning a burning heart is totally foreign to you. It's impossible. Listen, I want you to know, what you need is not more religion. What you need is the good news of Jesus. Listen, if, if you know how to be good, but you don't know how to have your heart burned for him, I just want to kindly suggest that right there in your seat, maybe what you need is for Jesus to save you. And the Bible says if you just, if you'll repent of your sin and your religious performance and ask him to save you, that he'll clean you and he'll give you a new heart and he'll meet you and your heart will burn. You may stumble, may flicker at times, but it will keep catching on fire. That's you, I just wanna encourage you to place your trust in him right now, today. Maybe for some of you, you realize, man, I've I've been performing, I've been good, but my heart hasn't been burning. I've neglected walking and longing and loving for Jesus. If that's you, would you just repent and ask him to help you and change you? One last group, some of you, as we were talking, your heart was beating fast for Jesus. We hear things like longing for him and asking him and to, to be with you and hungering for him, you get that and it made your heart beat fast. Would well, you just spend a moment worshiping him for that? In a moment, we're all going to have a time to respond. Here's what the response will look like. Uh, we'll stand and we'll sing a song. Uh, But if you need to do special business with God, you can come down front and pray. Our altars will be open. Our pastors and decision council will be down front. If you need to speak with someone, we would love to help you and talk with you about anything God's doing in your heart. Um, It'll be a time of response. So I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna walk us through that. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we we want to long for you. God, we, we don't wanna be a church that just goes through religious duty and motions. God, we, we, wanna, we wanna be a people whose hearts burn, like long for you, that this makes sense to us. When we talk about fasting, we don't know about it in the way of legalism. We know about it in the way of love. God, would you make us a people? God, make us a people who burn, burn for you and hunger for you. Show us our need for you. And I pray you would meet us in this. And I pray that all in Jesus' name, amen.